Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, hello and welcome to the All Stats, aren't we? Season preview 21-22. I'm John McKenzie, as always, and I'm joined by some of the other chaps. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go around everyone in order on my screen. So, um, we will start with you, Tom Woodhead. How are you? It's nice to see your face. We don't often get to see your face in these recording sessions, but how are you? I'm not too bad. I brought another laptop into the studio just so that everyone could see my weird red face. Um, yeah, it's good. I'm not too bad. Looking forward to getting a proper football underway after the slightly underwhelming preseason. Mm. Yeah, slightly underwhelming, but we are going to be positive. And who better to do positivity than Darren Driver? Darren, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. Actually, what I was about to say was I'm really not ready for football to start again. I wish it would just piss off for six weeks uh, and then we then I can feel excited about it. But there's been no time for the excitement to build. So I'm relying on you chaps to uh, and particularly you john to um to, to, to light the fires of my excitement tonight um and if you can't do it i'm sure jacob will so yeah but i'm good cheers buddy light the fires of your excitement that must be a line from springsteen it's not but it should be shouldn't it <laughs> light the fires of my excitement outside the factory door there we go we'll, we'll make it that one there we go and the young sprightly face of of the teams i, I assume you're the actually maybe you're not the team's youngest member but um we'll go with that anyway because you have a young sprightly face jacob stanbridge how are you welcome to uh, the first live stream for you i think thanks very much john um i'm, I'm all right thanks um sh- should we do a round poll of everyone here am i the youngest well i think it's between you and tom alderson so i think it's, it's me, definitely not but... me mate <laughs> uh, I'm I'm 26. How old are you, Tom? I'm 23. Oh, there we so, go. Yeah, there we go. There we but, are. But, people, but what a lovely segue! What what lovely segue to bring in yeah. Tom Alderson. Uh, so, Tom, how are you? I'm I'm good because I've not paid any attention to preseason. So I'm I'm probably more positive than most people. But yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat as Darren. As like, I need another six weeks off the football. I'm just I can't really be asked with it yet. <laughs> but mm. here I am on a preview podcast for the season. <laughs> Yeah, well, you haven't seen any of the preseason. You're in for a bit of a shock, my friend, uh, <laughs> when you look over some of those results. But um, we, we put the preseason behind us now. We can still say, well, it's preseason. It doesn't really matter. The, the important things are in front of us now. Um, and that is what we're going to talk about 
today we are going to talk about the the, the future season that's coming up. I say that the first thing on our running order is pre-season, um, <laughs> which I've just <laughs> dismissed. But we'll go to some people who have talked um, or watched the, the pre-season. Uh, what's the general feeling on, on pre-season? Is it the case that, that pre-season we can just say, well, you know, pre-season is as pre-season does? Um, how is everyone feeling about pre-season? I'll start with you, Darren Driver. What did you make of the pre-season? Yeah, sort of... Um... I was I was really pleased to see signs of life against Villarreal because it because some of the games previous to that had looked really pretty shonky in in, in a number in a number of ways. I think I think sort of preseason's been marred by a number of individual errors leading to goals, and I'm hoping that that's just the players getting getting that stuff out of their system. Um, in terms of like the general performance and, and the tactical stuff, I, I I really don't read too much into into preseason, and and I never really have. Um, so I'm I'm just really really hope, hopeful um, that that Bielsa's got the got the got the team tuned in terms of fitness and in terms of you know where where he needs them to be for Saturday, and that they come come out of the come out of the blocks as we're used to seeing at the start of seasons under him. And you know I've, he's never done a, a good preseason in terms of results and performances. So I'm, I'm sort of you know I do kind of hold on to a, a glimmer of hope from that point of view, and and that maybe it'll be a Saturday that lights the fire of my excitement. I think the other thing that I noticed was that um, this is the first preseason where we've played quite a few decent teams as well. Um, normally, we've had one sort of decent team right at the end of the preseason, and we had Manchester United in Australia as well, obviously. But generally, we've we've played teams that are that are below us in terms of level and still not done very well in most of the preseasons. Um, you know, we've we've got had bad results even against teams like York and things like that. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that. You know the fact that we didn't play so well against Batiste and Ajax. Well, definitely didn't play well against Ajax. That's more of a symptom of the fact that this preseason we've stepped up the standard of opposition more than anything else. Does anyone have any worries about the season on, off the back of the preseason as well? I mean, it's easy to dismiss, but uh, there were some worrying signs in there. Does anyone have any in particular that they wanted to talk about? I think the obvious thing is that that we, you know, we talked a lot at the end of last season about about Rodrigo's pressing and and it looks like there's every chance that he's going to start in the midfield on Saturday given that he has in the last couple of friendlies and and I, I still you know really consider that to be a, a really worrying thing that that he that you know he may be he may be fitter than he was last season he, he may be able to put out more physical output um and and I hope that is true but but I really don't I haven't seen any indications that kind of he's improved his awareness, his spatial awareness, really, in terms of the defensive side of the game. So I think that that is a bit of a worry, particularly against a team that, that were able to unpick us in quite so comprehensively last season in, in the same fixture. And mm. I think considering that Dallas is probably going to be playing at left back as well, um, when if you do have Rodrigo in midfield, Dallas is possibly the best partner because he can cover that space in behind a little bit more. Whereas with Click and Rodrigo, as it seems like it's likely to be, there were quite a few games last season where that combination really left us exposed on the counter. I mean, was it that was it those two against in the get six two against Man United? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess what we're really hoping for is something that's not like that. Yeah, and I, I guess if Dallas does play at left back, we've seen the fullbacks inverting quite a bit more in preseason, haven't we? So that that might give us a little bit more of a defensive cover than than, than definitely that we got Old Trafford last year. So maybe there's something in there. I don't know. Hmm. Jacob, I'll give you, I'll give you the final word on this because um, you have watched the the preseason as well. Anything that you've picked up on from the preseason in particular? Um, I think I would largely just echo the stuff that the other guys have said. Um, 
I, I'm probably a bit too re- a bit reticent to read too much into the results or anything, but um, and I just really want to stress that preseason's about the team getting back into into sharpness and, and freshness. And um, there's been a lot of noise coming out of the club that that is happening. Um, and so I, I would be encouraged by that if even though there are things that still worry me. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, as this is a live stream, I should say that if you are listening to us, feel free to make a comment, make your views known, let us know what you're thinking and, and send questions our way and we'll do our best to to go through those. But I think rather than dwell on the pre-season, I think the best thing to do is for us to jump into our pre-season preview. Pre-season preview? Our season preview. Let's get it right. Um, and I think that we are going to approach this in the same way that we did last time, rather than sort of doing a, a general pre-season um, coverage what we are going to do is we've picked out some hopefully interesting hypothetical questions some of them are over under questions some of them are which will happen first questions some of them are comparative questions who's going to do better in this metric etc but hopefully as a result of that we will be able to cover quite a bit of the various things that are going on in the season uh, and you'll get a good sense of, of what it is so let's start with a nice basic question it's an over under question and it's on last season's finishing position last season we finished ninth in the Premier league the question is this will we finish over or under that um, position this season and i look down the list of, of the answers that you guys have given me everyone has gone for under so tom alderson we haven't heard from you much my favorite line so let's start with you you're going with under why i just think that the squad isn't really any better if you could even argue it might be worse than last than it was last season and i think a lot of the teams that were in and around us were I've probably have improved, um, so I would say that with, they're all going to take a sort of a, a few, enough of them are going to take a step forward that we're we're going to take a step back. And I also I just kind of think that we were probably as as good as we possibly could have done last year. And I just I don't think we're going to get. I, I don't want to say luck because there could be an element of luck to it that that sort of again. So I, I just think we'll take a, a step back, which isn't a bad thing. Like a, I think that would still be the still be the best thing that'd be a good season as finishing below nine for as long as we don't get relegated hmm. has has anyone else got any thoughts on 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 this i mean i guess we're all going to be fairly um, reticent to to go above that ninth figure because i do think it represents what was probably a best case scenario in many respects for last season uh, especially given as we've talked about a lot on this channel the potential um overperformance defensively at the end of the season um is there anyone who's go- who's particularly worried about this season has anyone got uh, a vertiginous collapse uh, on their on on the cards for their uh, season predictions or is everyone just generally going for um a, a sort of solid maybe uh, similar sorts of levels of performance but um probably somewhere more like um a, a reflective position finish of maybe in the bottom half but quite high up I think yeah. you've got a fall in mind, haven't you, John? Me? Yeah. No. Oh, look, I, th- I think we'll we'll be we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. Um, I think it will be similar to the last last season, but I think there will probably be a little bit more variance. I think there's not many games I can think of where we were unlucky not to get a result, and I think there was a few games where we were potentially lucky to get a result. I think between those two things, we'll probably, uh, like I say. Um, perform at a similar level and and maybe um, just variants down. The only thing that I worry about is that if we have any players who who sort of fall off a fall off a bit of a cliff performance wise. Um, I know that Luke Ayling, for example, is 
one a player who some people have been a bit worried about this preseason. Um, if we if we if we had a player like that who I think performed lower than they did last season, then it could maybe maybe tweak things a little bit. But um, anyone else got any thoughts on on the the over under finishing position? I just think linear progression can't go on forever, and since Bielsa's come in, we've improved in terms of performance every season. And I think at some point it's reasonable to kind of see that <clears throat> that, that ends. Um, last season, I predicted we'd finish between 9th and 13th. This season, I think between 11th and 14th. And I still think that's a massive achievement given given the state of the squad. And I, I just kind of really want to stress that, that although I do think we'll finish below, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I just think it's it's part of the natural ebb and flow of, of a newly promoted team mm. that hasn't kind of massively improved the squad over the over the course of the summer. Yeah, and as you can see, Thomas saying there, the the natural position in the table feels around 14th to 11th, which I think is what you, you said, Darren. But um, yeah, I, I don't want to dwell on this too much because I think uh, there's not going to be much disagreement. So let's move on to the, the next um, hypothetical, which is we're going to look at points in the league or goals again. So last season, we finished with 59 points in the Premier League and we scored 54 goals. Um, I'm sorry, we conceded 54 goals. Um, I suppose this is a, an interesting one because um, the, the the question is if if we did overperform defensively and I think in, in the last 10 games, I think we conceded um, per stats bomb data at, at a level of a goal less than you would have expected in each of those 10 games so that's 10 goals fewer than you might have expected so we could be talking anything up to you know 64 goals there um which would be um swinging things the other way so i do think that this is an interesting question um i will throw this out to tom woodhead what do you feel about this one what are you going for well i've gone for points mostly because everyone else seemed like they were going to go for goals but i actually think that the points and the goals against will be quite similar um uh I've gone for points just because I think I think we potentially in the first half of the season might be a little more solid defensively than we were in the first half of last season. And I know preseason hasn't played that out at all. Um, but when we I think when we have a fully fit squad and if and when we have our first choice players in all their positions, um, if that ever happens, uh, I think we probably are set up to be a little bit more defensively solid than we were in the first half of last season. So um Again, it's it's a very close run thing, though. I don't I don't think there's going to be much in this one. Yeah. Does anyone else have any any thoughts on? I'll go to you, Jacob. But what you, what's your take on this one? If I'm honest, my logic was quite similar to Tom's, um, although that the, the pendulum swung the other way for me. Um, I guess preseason has made me wonder if we might be perhaps looking to be a bit more open than we were by the end of last season. But I don't know how much of that is just an effect of Rodrigo playing or whether it's a tactical thing. Um, um, but I, I, th- I do, I do agree with Tom. I don't think it'll be close. Um, I just sort of went went the other way partly because of that large XG uh, XGA um, overperformance at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is so quite. It's quite forever. tough. Is it's quite tough, isn't it, to actually judge where finishing position and points and goals conceded all fit together um so this is a tough one i think i've I've, i'm in the same camp and i've gone with um just the assumption that we will probably concede a a few more goals next season just on the basis of even if we performed at the same level we would presumably concede a few more goals um and and so that would suggest that maybe there would be a slightly fewer points and slightly more goals against um anyone no one else really disagreed with that i don't think has anyone else got any anything they wanted to add or should, should we move on here 
Right. Well, let's move on to another over or under. And I think, you know, this is the, I think we will call this the honorary Josh Hobbs question because this is about Bamford Premier League goals. Um, over under on Bamf- um, Bamford's Premier League performance last season, uh, which was 17 goals, wasn't quite um, enough to get to the, the 20 goals mark. Uh, I, I suspect most people are going to be, um, are going to be negative on this one because 17 goals was a fantastic rate of return for for Bamford um Darren I see that you've gone over and you've written which is wildly optimistic already covering your back but talk talk us through your your reasoning on this one there is no reasoning really it's just blind optimism um I I just want him to have that season where he gets finally gets all the twats off his back gets 20 goals in the Premier League and shuts everyone up once and for all and and then it's so it's, it's more about wanting that than than necessarily expecting it to happen I think 17 goals last season was an outstanding return I think he I think he'll probably get somewhere there or thereabouts again um and hopefully the three goals that he had ruled off for VAR, by VAR last season won't happen this time, uh, and and that that'll make up make up the difference. But I think he'll have just as many chances to score as he did last season, and I think he'll he'll take you know a really good proportion of them again. I would suggest, Darren, that the phrase "once and for all" means that you don't understand football and how people react to it. Oh, I know, <laughs> but you know, it, like I'm I'm trying to be hopeful and positive, Tom. That's all. <laughs> I think with Bamford, the interesting thing is that people assume that his good season last season was like an outlier season, yeah. Um, which is, I, I guess, open for for debate. Uh, obviously, Josh wrote that piece before we played in the Premier League, suggesting that the style of football that we'll be playing in the Premier League will suit him a, a little bit more. And I think that largely bore out last season. Um, does anyone think that that won't be the case going into this season? Do you think? Does anyone think that we will, are going to see a wholesale shift of the way that opponents are playing against us that might impact Bamford? I, I don't know about wholesale, but um, I, I would say that certain certain effective ways that opponents have of dealing with, with us often mean that Bamford can get quite isolated up up the top. And there are, there are definitely games I'm thinking like around the time just after we beat Man City, like the Liverpool and the, and the Man United game, when people were saying, "Oh, Bamford had a really bad game," but it was more Bamford didn't get on the ball but because the team wasn't functioning as well in an attacking sense so I I guess depending on the the, I I don't think it's going to be a massive difference either way much like any of us do but um, I think as teams wisen up to what's the best way to deal with us a bit more perhaps it will be a little bit less. I guess the other thing is that Bamford was basically not injured at all last season. I think he did he miss one game with a kind of hip thing or something, but it's quite rare that a player won't miss a, a few games. So even, you know, even that would mean that it's probably likely that he'll have fewer opportunities to to be in on the pitch and score goals. Hmm. Yeah, and as Zach Palmer says in the comments, the positive side of Rodrigo playing a lot more this season means that Pat will likely have more creativity behind him, which could could really help him, um, which I think is true. Um, I guess, yeah, my my questions would be um, would be simply whether or not we start seeing teams finding us out, which is a horrible phrase, but um, I think we've seen elements of that this preseason, um, albeit with a caveat that, that that Tom said, which was we're playing. Much better teams at the level of um, at the level both of coaching um, and and also personnel. Um, so I, I do wonder whether or not we will see we see see some teams adopting the sorts of tactics that that causes problems. Um, that said, I I also think there's a lot of Premier League 
clubs who just sort of play the way that they play and they assume that that Leeds are a mid-table side and so they won't do too much to try and break them down as well and we saw that with I think maybe the 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 way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer approached the second uh, game against us last season um, which where he largely tried to do exactly the same the same sort of thing against it but um, other than that we all said uh, Bamford is going to maybe slightly uh, underperform which I think well, underperformed last season, which I think is uh, again in line with the fact that we're we're saying that this season probably will be uh, slightly lower, at least in terms of output, than than last season. Let's move on to talk about the fourth question, which is um, uh, talk, touching on Rafinha. I'm trying to get the the, the sort of big topics um, in early on. So last season, there were I, I think the the big one of the big issues that we faced was injuries to centre-backs. Uh, I spent some time today on Transfer Markt looking through and trying to work out how many games that Leeds had lost to, to our four centre-backs. I didn't even it didn't even include um, Gaetano Berardi. Um, so our four, our four centre-backs last season missed 42 games between them, which is a remarkable uh, figure. Um, and I wondered whether or not we think that that number this season will be higher or lower than the number of goals, assists and nutmegs that Rafinha will get next season. Um, by way of context, next uh, last season, Rafinha got 20 goals, assists and nutmegs. So the, the big question is, how many um, games do we think that we are going to miss through injury this time around for, through centre-back? So uh, Tom Alderson, I'll start with you on this. What's your thinking on here? So I went for centre backs, and that's despite the fact that I actually think Rafini is going to have a where he will have a better season next year. Um, I think he's, I think he, well, I can't remember how many games he missed for the first because uh, he, he arrived pretty late in the window, didn't he? So I think he, that that number twenty, I think, will go up. And despite that, I think that we are so cursed at centre back that we are going to miss the centre backs going to be injured more than that. So we're still looking at probably thirty times. So. I think the optimist in me wanted to go for Rafinha, but I just think we always end, end up getting injuries at centre-backs. Like Cooper and Lorente are both pretty injury-prone, aren't they? And I'm not sure if Cox actually injury-prone or he just had that long injury last year, but it just feels inevitable that we're, we're gonna the centre-backs are going to miss large chunks of the season between them. Does anyone want to add to that? Anyone want to hazard a sort of figure? Because, I mean, 42 is remarkably high figure, um, I think. I mean, most most players would probably miss... Um, like five or six games. Um, even looking at Robin Cocker, you mentioned he he has surgery on his knee, and I think he misses fewer games than than Diego Urente in the course of the season. So he manages to come back from knee surgery quicker than than um, than Urente managed to to sort of play out the season. So um, I don't I don't anticipate us getting anywhere near that amount of number uh, that 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 sort of figure. But um, I do think that we will miss some. So anyone want to sort of hazard a rough kind of guess for what what they reckon it will be? I guess the thing is we don't know the extent of Urente's current injury, right? Like I mean, he he might already have an injury that's called it cause him to miss 10 games or something and we just mm. don't know about it so that's why i sort of went erred on the side of caution with this and said the center backs because um it, it, we might yeah we might already have urente missing for a large chunk of the season we just don't know it so uh and and yeah as has been said cooper always misses quite a few games every season so that adds up but i mean i find like trying to predict how many games some some people will miss their injury. You're just guessing, really, aren't you? I mean, I don't think it's the kind of thing that you can have an educated guess at, unless, unless someone disagrees with me on that. I wanted to know what um, Tom Alderson's um, statistical and theoretical background for predicting a curse was. <laughs> uh, and for, for stating that it was a curse, I, I want you to show you working out there, Tom, if you can. 
Um, you wrote it in the notes and I copied you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Rafinha because he's obviously the other side of, of that question. Um, and I, I suppose the, the other side of that question is, do we think Rafinha is going to over or underperform his um, his output last season? So, Jacob, what do you make of Rafinha going into this season? Certainly on the point that Tom mentioned about just when he came into the team, that I think that's uh, the first thing you need to mention because like he, he debuted against Wolves, so it was only game four, but it wasn't until after that international break um, against uh, against Everton, I think, when he got his first start. So it was a good chunk of minutes there. I think Everton's game number 10 of the season, last season. So um, just just within that time, you, you would feel that his productivity would have to go up. But even even beyond that, if there's any sort of scope that the team gets more attacking fluency than it had in maybe the second half of the season, uh, and particularly towards that chunk where we're playing all those big teams um, back-to-back, then you would expect more to come from Rafinha just because of how much goes through him. Um, There was that piece in The Athletic um, recently about expected threat, and you saw that Rafinha was our absolute outlier for that. So I, I would expect to see more from him with just a if there's any change in style and b him playing the whole season. But given how much goes through him, you would think that other teams would start to mitigate against that and and really try and make sure that he doesn't get in the game as an attacking force. And that's my big concern uh, about him this season. Really, I think I think he will have a better season, but I don't think it'll be quite as as big a, a jump in terms of output as 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 we might hope for. Rafinha's so also one. had a fairly quiet preseason as well, so I wondered if if anyone was sort of reading much into that um i did I, I think we maybe chatted about it the other day saying that rafinha seems to be the sort of player who's a bit more performance driven so in in games where it matters you you might expect to see a little bit more from him but does, does anyone else have any worries about rafinha going into the season i don't think i do i think i think you, you still see enough of the basic stuff there in the preseason stuff that i've seen it's just that sometimes that final ball hasn't been right or his passing's been slightly off, but you can see that the vision's still there and the technique's still there. So the 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 thing that I was wondering on what Darren was saying was, I definitely see that that's the case that people will be targeting him more and that might reduce his impact on games, but I'm not 100% sure will the, whether that will reduce the amount of goals and assists it'll get because mm-hmm. in our team, a lot of the assists, it's not the, the great pass isn't, always the assist is it you know it might be the the pass before the assist or and you know so so Rafinha doing a little cutback on you know in the box uh might not you know the the fact that he's being targeted might not change that and 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 the same with him getting on the end of something so not sure if that's true but it's something to think about I guess we know that he he really likes attacking the box like he's been really effective as sort of like coming in as a sort of far post and, and things like that so even if he's sort of targeted out of the the not targeted out of the game, but if he's targeted for him as a creator, maybe more of that responsibility ends up on some of the other players and he ends up on the end of things more. Yeah, it feels like the really creative stuff he does, he does from deeper, right? Like he, he um, you know, those kind of raking crossfield balls to Harrison and uh, or whoever's playing out on the left or just, just those sort of balls that he absolutely twats that, that sometimes look awful, but quite often look really, really nice. Uh, but they're, they're often from much deeper positions, so they wouldn't be likely to result in assists anyway, I guess. Yeah, let's move on. Um, from I just, I was one thing I wanted to oh, add yeah, on that one was yeah. that um, that we haven't sort of considered that uh, there's a, well, there is a chance that we might sign a winger. So like if Noah Lang comes in or Ryan King comes in, Rafinha might end up just playing less games. You'd, you'd expect it to be Harrison to drop out most of the time. But if Rafinha gets less, he, he might end up playing the same amount of games 
as last season just by the fact that he's on the bench because Kent and Harrison are playing or Kent and Lang are playing. But that relies us on, on us getting a transfer in, which doesn't look very likely at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, no, and it will be interesting to see how, how this all plays out, no doubt. Um, but let's move on to the fifth question, which is, um, again, a comparison question. So two issues, well, two things that we've talked about a lot on this channel anyway. Firstly, goals conceded from set pieces. Um, so the question is, are, would you th- do we think there'll be more goals conceded from set pieces next season or Stuart Dallas starts in central midfield? Um, obviously, again, we've talked a lot about Stuart Dallas in, in central midfield as well. Um, I think that the general consensus would be that um, we would probably try and bring someone in to the, these, the central midfield spot um, at least maybe a backup player. Um, so he would have the option to be able to play Dallas um, at full, either one of the fullbacks um, should the needs arise. Um, and we've already seen that happening in, in preseason with Junior being injured. So um, who wants, Darren, we'll kick off with you on this one, actually. Uh, before you start, though, 15 goals from set pieces last season uh, and 20 centre midfield appearances from Dallas so um, I guess the big question is whether or not Dallas gets quite so much um, in the centre midfield spots um, and whether or not you really think we've improved from set piece um, conceding. I think I've said quite a few times on this channel that I I don't really see um, I don't really see a kind of necessarily a trend line in terms of our improvement from set pieces I think we will go through periods in the forthcoming season where we concede quite a few goals from from set pieces when we come up against teams with really good delivery or or great movement in the box or where we come up against teams that have got movement which is designed to pull all of our players to the front post and get someone in at the back or something like that that we we will still concede quite a high number of goals Um, I guess I'm hopeful that that the midfield signing that we bring in will will um, We'll, we'll get quite quite a few um, games. I, I think I'm sort of thinking that it'll be broadly the same, like a high-scoring draw. I think we'll probably concede a similar number of, of goals from set pieces as we did last season. And and I'm, and it looks like Dallas will be starting the season at left-back at least, and it'll be interesting to see. So I think we'll be somewhere around the same, somewhere around 14, 15, 16, that sort of area for, for each of them. Tom Alderson, you've just written a piece on the set pieces from last season. So what were the the, the general takeaways that you found in that? Yeah, so we well, I think we conceded 15 set piece goals last season and our expected goal against the set pieces was, was around 15 as well. So even though there's there seen people seem to believe that we improved as the season went on, that I don't really think that was the case. I just think we got luckier from set pieces. Um, and I'd agree with whatever what Darren's been saying that I I think fifteen set goals from set pieces is definitely a possibility. Again, I would see us around that. Um, so I've I've gone for set pieces with this one just because I think Dallas will play less. Get well, I want to say fingers crossed because he did get a good job. But I think if we bring a sign in, in he'll play less games or. He'll be covering Firpo, who's playing at left back. So I, f- I think it'll be, I, I think it'll be yeah, f- around fifteen again for set pieces, and Dallas probably playing a few less than that. A couple of you have said Dallas for this one. I think Tom, you are in that group. So um, Tom Woodhead, what what do you make of this? I am not in that group. I said set pieces, not Dallas. Okay. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think mostly based on the fact that we know that Firpo's injured, but again, like Urente, we don't know how badly. So. For all we know, Furpo's out for fifteen games or whatever, and that you know that that's fifteen games. Dallas pl- is playing at left back pretty much. So mm. um, I just get, and, and I guess based on that, that really gives someone else an opportunity to stake their spot in central midfield. So um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see Dallas in central midfield a lot this season, but probably 
more during the course of the game than starting, mm. is my guess. Uh, at least that's the trajectory that it's going to start on, I think. Yeah, Jacob, you said um, Dallas, so we'll go to you on this so that we do cover the other side. <laughs> I, I guess the, the I completely agree with what Darren said earlier, but the, the only maybe caveat that I might chuck in would be there was that period of just before Christmas last year when we conceded it was like five set-piece goals in four games. And during all those games, Luke Ayling was playing centre-back and so we were sort of one man down in terms of the really, really good headers of the ball. I don't know how much necessarily having another centre-half in, well, what, what, if they're fit, um, would, would have an effect, but it's possible that there's sort of marginal gains with that and I think it's just something we, we should consider when thinking about this. And I'm also of the opinion that Dallas is probably actually going to start quite a lot of games in midfield. I think Bielsa likes it. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't think there's going to be that many more options for, for players in there, and there will no doubt be the inevitable Mateus Click injury at some point. Um, it wouldn't be an uh, all-stats on we podcast if we didn't talk about expected goals. So I've thrown in an expected goals question, just a, a comparative one. And the question is, which will be higher, XG or XGA? So expected goals for or expected goals against. Um, last season, we had 57.5 XG um uh, created per stats bomb and we conceded 62.9 um who wants to kick off on this who thinks that we are going to maybe reverse that trend come out of this season a little bit stronger in terms of production and a little bit stronger in terms of um consumption <laughs> conceding well i i think that i actually think they'll be roughly equal this season um which possibly means that I should have predicted that we'll finish in a higher league position as well. Uh, so I'm not maybe not following the same logic with the two questions there. But in in terms of the league position, to be fair, I did always think that um, we did have a chance of finishing higher. It was just a small chance. So I think we'll probably create about well, create about the same and and maybe concede fewer big chances like those really wide open ones that we that we conceded, you know, around that period leading up to Christmas and around Christmas last season. So, so that that's sort of my rationale behind that. Yeah, and for the record, everyone else went with expected goals against um, Tom Alderson. You're just you're just seeing the same patterns last season as this season, presumably. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much exactly the same, really. If the numbers were very similar to that. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think we'll probably perform similarly with, uh, with XG and XG against. Yeah, and I think that's what the, the underlying numbers suggested last season. And I don't think there's been any suggestion that the the sorts of signings that we've made will necessarily upheave that in any way. Um, but let's move on to start talking about the domestic cups, because I think this is a, a good area of um, of discussion. I think every time we talk about domestic cups going into the season people are very positive about it and they say oh it'd be lovely to have a cup run um i think i think it would be great for us to go deep in one of the cups and then we promptly lose both in the first fixture um so let's let's kick off with the first um cup competition uh question so um last season we had three nil nil draws in the premier league and we played in two cup games, both of which were lost against Hull and Crawley. So the question for next season is, will there be more Premier League nil-nil draws or matches contested by leagues in the domestic cups? Uh, Darren, we've not heard from you in a while, so what's your take on this one? Uh, nil-nils. I think I think we'll have more nil-nils. I think there'll be, there'll be a similar amount to, to last season, and I think we'll also see a similar level of performance in the cups. Um, 
for, for whatever reason at Leeds, Bielsa seemed to view the, the Cups as unimportant and has kind of filled the team with younger players. And I don't see necessarily that there's been uh, a kind of huge amount of um, in, in improvement in that depth. So I, I anticipate a very similar level of performance in the Cups going out in, in the first or second round of, of each one, um, for sure. Tom Woodhead, you are a, a romantic man, and I know you have a romantic view of of the of cup competition. Um, you've gone with cups. Is that just wishful thinking? I think it is partly wishful thinking, but I also think that it requires a lot less change for the cup games to increase than it does for the nil nil draws. Like I think it's unlikely that we're going to see six nil nil draws, for example. Whereas if we win two games in each of the cups, then we then we see six cup games, which I, despite how unlikely. It's not. It's it's far beyond. You know, it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility at all. I don't think, even if you're pessimistic about it, you know, we could we can play badly and, and win some of those games. So, um, I I would love us to take it a little bit more seriously. Uh, like weirdly, Bielsa seemed to take it a bit more seriously in our first season, possibly because he wanted he was still trying to get the players inculcated in the system. So there were certain first team players that were playing all the cup games as well, like Phillips, I remember, and Alioski, who just played all the games no matter what. Um, but it would be nice if we would have a bit more confidence that we'll be we'll survive in the Premier League. So why not go for something else? Um, I don't think there's much to be lost from giving that a go. Mm. Anyone else positive on the cup competition? I'll take that as a no. Um, we have some other questions about the cup competition, so I'll just jump straight into those. So um, this one is a time dependent one. So which comes first, Leeds dropping out of the League Cup or our first win against a big six side? So. For context, uh, obviously Manchester United we play this weekend. Then we have Liverpool on the 12th of September, Leicester on the 6th of November, Spurs on the 20th of November, Chelsea on the 11th of December. Uh, and then I got bored of looking at fixtures, so the, the list ends there. Um, but in terms of the Carabao Cup fixtures, the first round that Leeds play in is the second round, which starts, which takes place on August the 24th and 25th that weekend. Third round is it is September 21st, 22nd. Fourth round, uh, the round of 16, is in October 26th, 27th. Uh, quarterfinals at the end of December. Uh, and then you're talking semifinals in January and the final in February. So um, obviously there's a there's a, a lot to, to get your head around there. But it, it, I guess this, this all comes down to whether or not you think Leeds are going to do well in the League Cup or not. Um, Jacob, what's your take on this? Do you think that Leeds will go deeper um, in in the cup, or do you think that that they will get a nice early win against the top six side? I think it, it, it's more the case that um, w- whilst I have have maybe optimism that we might get through the first uh, first fixture in the cup, I I don't expect that we progress considerably further unless the draw is such that we end up playing a quite full strength team. Um, so I would kind of expect us to potentially fall out of that maybe the third round and. We aren't playing that many of these sort of fixtures prior to like the fourth round, and so well, we we could beat Man United this weekend. We could beat Liverpool, but I, I I'm not confident enough of that to stake a claim in in that respect. Anyone else got any uh, additional thoughts on this one? Blind optimism suggests <laughs> that we're, that we're going to win uh, one of those first two big six games for me uh because otherwise what's the fucking point in watching it yeah so that's that's it for me <laughs> yes i'm not sure that's that optimistic of you really it, it didn't sound that way to me but i'll <laughs> your word for it um 
and then obviously the, we have the FA Cup as well. So um, the question here is, um, obviously last season, uh, an inglorious dumping out of the cup by by Crawley in a game that we saw a lot of changes for the starting eleven. Um, so the question for this one is, do we think there'll be more changes to the starting eleven for the FA Cup third round fixture from the previous game? Um, I, I presume that means the previous league game uh, or Jamie Shackleton starts. So again, a bit of FA Cup here, a bit of Jamie Shackleton. Uh, Tom Alderson, we'll kick off with you on this one. Yeah, I think we're just... These are a couple of things we've sort of learned over the few, last few seasons that Shackleton's not going to play in centre mid. It's, so if he's going to start, he's going to be a right back and then would would he start over Cody Dramme? Like, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, I just don't think Bielsa trusts Shackleton, to be honest. So I don't think he's going to get many starts. And like, like we've said in the last two questions, he's not going to take the, the cup seriously, you'd imagine. So he's probably going to be wild, wild changes for that third round match. And I think that's going to be greater than the number of char- um, starts that Shackleton's going to get next season. Darren, you've gone the other way on this one. What's your logic? Um, my logic is that I think Shackleton's finally going to have a season where he gets a decent number of minutes. I mean, now I've said that, I think he'll probably get on loan. But um, but I'm kind of banking on Shackleton getting eight or nine starts, perhaps, somewhere in the team, um, and five or six changes, maybe seven changes to the to the team for the for the first FA Cup round. So um it's it's a kind of um display of my faith in Shackleton as 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 that that finally he'll have a season where he gets in, gets his chance and then doesn't immediately get injured. Although he has just immediately got injured at the end of a preseason in which he'd done really well. So you know maybe maybe it doesn't quite add up, but there we go. Yeah, I didn't even know about that injury, Darren, so thanks for that. <laughs> That's all right. What happened? Uh, he took a really, he took a really, really unpleasant knock to the back of the head and looked like he looked like he was out cold. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, no, I did see that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a that. But that, we don't Tom take concussion seriously in football. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, let him get a tumor. It's fine. <laughs> Jacob, you uh, you've got something to say on this? I think the, I also went with Shackleton, which was perhaps a bit of a hedge, but just because I was thinking back to the game against Arsenal in the FA Cup in the promotion season. And although we started Robbie Gotts, it was um, a largely quite full-strength team. Um, there were a couple of changes, but um, I, I guess for the FA Cup, you don't. There's a chance that we could draw Liverpool. There's a chance that we could draw. I don't know Marine, but we could draw Liverpool. And so I, I just wanted to stick a bit of faith for Shackleton for that, for similar reasons to to Darren. Anyone got any final thoughts on Shackleton going into the season? Tom, Tom, you've not. Tom Woodhead, you've not said anything really on, on Shackleton. Have you got any takes on him? I would say that um, uh, Jacob's previous answer is not really faith in Shackleton. It's just in faith in as not making many changes in the FA Cup. But um, I I thought he looked really good. In, I, I didn't see the Villarreal game, but I saw the rest of the preseason games. And I I thought he looked quite decent at right back. And um, I, I, I disagree with Tom Alderson that Bielsa would play drama ahead of him. I think Shackleton would be ahead in the queue, at least at first. Um, and I think he's earned that. And I, I agree, he's, he's probably unlikely to start in central midfield much. So I think what we're really talking about is, is Luke Ayling going to be injured a lot? And if Luke Ayling's injured a lot, is Stuart Dallas not you know going to be needed elsewhere or not? Because I think Dallas would probably play there if he's not needed elsewhere. So um, the chances of both those things happening at the same time, I think are relatively slim. So... That's that's why I've gone for the changes. Yeah, I think there are also chances though of of Cock being needed 
in defensive midfield and Aileen needing to play right centre oh, back true, because yeah. of their injuries there as well. So I think that's another place where Shackleton could gain some starts. No, I'd like well, to see it. I'd like to see it. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Well, let's move on and, and talk a little bit. Um, we've got a, a time-dependent one again here, which is which comes first, calls for Bielsa's sacking or the last signing of the window. This is a very negative one, I suppose. Um, the window closes on August the 31st, so I think we'll get three games in before then. So the question here is, do we think that people will... Um, do, do we have a bad start to the season and do we see uh, people calling for Bielsa's head or do we get a really late signing in the window as we did last season? So, Tom Alderson, what's your take on this one? Surely no one's going to be calling for Bielsa to be sacked after three games. Like, I think we had a similar question in this, this the equivalent podcast last year and I don't think, well, I, I don't think there ever was a call for Bielsa sacking at some point, so I'm just hoping that it's the same case again. Um, who knows, we might have already made our last signing of the window already, um, in which case that we're, we're all going to get this question wrong, probably. So, um, yeah, I, I just I just don't see people calling for a sacking that early. It seems ridiculous, but I don't know, Leeds fans, who knows? I yeah. assume, John, you are talking about Leeds fans rather than like pundits and, you know, idiots yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. sport and stuff. And, and not just outlier people. Like yeah, I was going to say, yeah. are we talking about the lone dickhead? Because there's always <laughs> one of them, no matter what's happening. Yeah. 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 I guess the 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 real question here is do we expect Leeds to have another strong start again, which has tended to be a um a commonality in the season so far under Bielsa. Um so yeah, what what's people's take on how we're gonna start the season? What I mean, Manchester United away is a tough first fixture. Um we've had a tough preseason. Is there any worries that that a bad first game could could sort of mean that Leeds stagger on a little bit at the beginning of the season? This is purely anecdotal, but I also have a feeling that Manchester United tend to start seasons badly recently. Um, that might not be true, but that's that's the sense that I get. So those two things combined, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we'll we'll I don't think we'll lose all three of our opening games. Put it that way, and unless we were to get hammered in all three of our opening games, I don't see any serious calls for Bielsa's sacking. And even if we did, I think it would be premature and a bit silly, to be honest. Hmm. Anyone got anything to add on this or should we move on? Well, there will be a, a deadline day signing, in my opinion. So that 
that's the other thing that I just wanted to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suspect there may be a late signing. Um not least because Lewis O'Brien is um, currently languishing in his bed from from uh, coronavirus. So that's probably going to slow things down a little bit at that end. Um, whether or not he comes in, I don't know because no one tells me anything these days. Um, but let's move on and talk about Calvin Phillips. Um, so we did have a, qu- a question in the stream actually from Joe Brennan before who, who said an over-under a question on red cards for Phillips or LUFC crypto tokens bought by the All Stats Aren't We team. That's well, I, I can tell you now that Darren's already <laughs> loaded up his uh, his bank account full of crypto <laughs> coins. So um, I don't think there's any danger of, of that one um, being won by Calvin Phillips. Our Calvin Phillips question is, interestingly enough, related to bookings. Um, so it is referee related. So we've got Will Calvin Phillips get more bookings this season or will there be members of the first team squad who make senior international appearances this season? Um, Calvin Phillips made 10 bookings last season. I'm not sure how many first team squad players made international appearances, but I'm guessing it's probably not far off that. Um, so, eight. Okay, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. Um, so, yeah. This, I think this is a bit of a toss-up either way, but um, what, what do we reckon on this one, Jacob, seeing as you've done the uh, required reading for this bit, this question? I guess my answer for this is perhaps pessimism on the availability of Calvin. Um, it's that his shoulder injury concerns me, given that uh, it, it's happened to him a couple of times like in just the previous season alone, and... I'm still not entirely sure what that statement about managing his injury conservatively in advance of the Euros really means, uh, whether, whether we'll end up seeing something like what's happened with Marcus Rashford um, and there be surgery at some point. And then on top of that, we know that Calvin does pick up the odd, odd knock. I know some of that was his shoulder absences, but he, he does miss games from time to time. And even if he ever got a red card, then that's another game to not get a yellow in. Um, and then... So I think it's possible that with that, that we do see maybe a couple of bookings fewer. And then that puts it pretty much level with the number of players that we have who have made international appearances. And so for that, you just need someone to get an international call-up who hasn't. That could be Harrison. That could be Rafinha. That could be Strauch, but possibly not. Um, But it's probably going to be five different nations where he could actually qualify. So yeah, probably slightly higher possibility with him. But um, yeah, I think you're right. And definitely the the way that they were speaking about the Calvin Phillips injury when it happened at the end of last season was that they were going to be treating it conservatively because of the Euros coming up, which suggests that maybe if the Euros weren't coming up, they would have... um, actually just gone through with the surgery that he he clearly requires on on his shoulder so um i suspect he's probably got something like a uh, a loose or torn rotator cuff or something in his shoulder which obviously needs to be operated on otherwise his shoulder will keep popping out and um the, i think it's a fairly simple surgery and will stop that from happening in the future so whether or not they would just soldier on through the season and maybe risk it happening a couple of times i don't know uh, and then try and get through to next summer and and, and get it through um either way uh, as Tom Woodhead would say, this isn't wildly hypothetical, but uh, I suppose either way, you're you're still seeing him missing a few games uh, there. Um, either way, anyone else got any any thoughts on this? Anyone gone for for Calvin Phillips cards over over the other option? I have gone for Calvin Phillips bookings. Although to add to the players, to be fair, that um, that Jacob was talking about, you could see a debut for Bamford. You could see maybe Melier uh, on the outside chance might get a cap. Um, the same, I mean, even even Junior Firpo, if he decides to, 
uh, it's it's unlikely. But if you decide to represent the Dominican Republic instead of Spain, you're so uh, invested in this, aren't you? <laughs> invested in what? In Firpo playing for? Playing Am I? For have I mentioned Dominic- it before? I don't know. You've mentioned it a few times. Maybe I, I have. I, th- I think I think excited about it. I think the first time I mentioned it, I didn't realise that he was also Spanish. So. Um, but uh, th- there was one more um, that I thought might have a look in, uh, and I can't remember who it is now. I'm looking at the squad. Um, now nah, forget it. If it comes, <laughs> if it comes. Yeah. Oh, oh, the uh, what's his name? The reserve keeper that we bought could potentially oh, get a cap yeah. for Norway as well. So yeah, um, yeah, no, that's true. And he, I think he was on the bench for a game, but then yeah. maybe was pulled off it because of COVID or something, but he was, right. he was very he close to something like that anyway. But he, he, so he got the call up, but wasn't on the bench. Yeah. It wasn't that he was literally on the bench and they dragged him off. It wasn't quite yeah. that exciting. Regardless, anyway, I went for Phillips bookings because he, he always gets a lot of bookings. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question is, is a little bit straight laced, but I think it's a good one because it's about Matez Click and Tyler Roberts, two players who are constantly, well, certainly in, in the case of Tyler Roberts being, being talked about, but um We've just gone with a simple one here. Just who's going to get more goals, Mateus Click or Tyler Roberts? Um, Click got four goals last season. Roberts got one. Uh, I think maybe some of the more uh, negative people in in the fan base would suggest that Tyler Roberts might never score again for Leeds. But um, I, I think this is a good question because um, Tyler Roberts. Uh, I think there's a lot hanging on him this season. He could do could do well, and I think it's an important season for him. Um, so. Tom Alderson, we haven't heard from you in a while. What's your take on the the Click Roberts goal continuum? Well, I think I don't know if you mentioned it, but the Click's got four last year. Roberts got once, and I just think Click missed such a large period of time last season that I st- I think I could see him matching that again, even like with more games. Uh, fingers crossed. And I just I I don't really have any faith in Roberts to get a load more goals, especially if he's playing midfield. I think maybe up front, if he got a run there, you might see him getting a few more goals but this is more me hedging my bets that I think Click's probably going to play more games and therefore have more chances to score uh, Yeah Tom what's your take on Tyler Roberts this season do we, do we think that we'll see a lot from him or is he has he blown his chance last season when he got a fairly good run in the side and um, and there was injuries that, that sort of helped him out Is it me or, or Tom sorry <laughs> Yeah sorry Tom Woodhead Yeah, you're, you're on mute Tom I certainly don't think he's blown his chance but I do think that it seems like Rodrigo has has that shirt at the moment um and therefore you're probably looking at substitute appearances for roberts for the in the near future at least so and click seems like he's going to be starting the season so i think as tom was saying just out of virtue of click playing more games and more minutes i think he's likely to score more goals if if you were to tell me that they were going to play equal minutes throughout the whole season i would be tempted to go for roberts because i think he's unfairly maligned in a lot of ways and he is capable of scoring goals. I don't think he's the kind of uh, bottler that people assume him to be. But um, yeah, just just purely because I think Click is going to play quite a lot more, I would go for him. Yeah, I guess it depends on whether or not Rodrigo gets injured, right? Because if yeah. Rodrigo gets injured at any point in the in the season, you would expect to maybe a Click Roberts midfield, with Roberts being the more attacking of the two. And so then the the the, the question sort of becomes whether or not Roberts can can pick those goals up. I noticed that you've gone for Roberts, Darren. Um, I, I know that you are you are an iconoclastic man, but what's what's your reasoning behind this? Yeah, pretty similar to that, really. That I suspect that Rodrigo will miss some chunks of the season I think Tyro will get a, a good number of minutes he'll some of those will be at nine um and I think he'll I don't think he's going to score absolutely tons of goals but I'm I'm pretty com- pretty 
confident that he might get five or six across the season. And if if Click's playing in a slightly more more withdrawn uh, role, then I suspect that that yeah that he'll get fewer goals and he's not going to be on pen click won't be on penalties this year I wouldn't have thought given the one that he missed against um against West Ham so yeah I with all that in mind I, I think that it'll be fairly close but I'm I'm pretty happy for um for Roberts to to come out on top with that one one of the interesting stats from last season was that um, Jack Harrison scored eight goals and got eight assists. Um, and so that is the basis of our next question, which is, which will happen more assists from Jack Harrison or goals from Jack Harrison? Jacob Stambridge, what's your take? I went with uh, assists. Um, my main reason for that was I was having a browse back through some of the stats earlier. And I think he was second only to Dallas in terms of XG over performance last season. And so my logic was maybe some of those long-range goals don't go in. He doesn't whack that goal in against Newcastle again. And um, wh- whereas I think I, I haven't, I didn't look at his expected assists or anything, but um, I feel like a lot of the things that he assists become higher value chances just from the way that we quite often like to build the attacks. And so I, my, my thought was that those things were probably more likely to go in regularly was it last yeah. season i think he was quite high in the in the league as well either for expected assists or this it might have just been chances created i can't remember I, I think i remember seeing like a graphic and it was him and de bruyne were near the top um which sort of yeah to add on to what jacob said that kind of suggests to me that he's going to get more assists than goals with when you take out what a couple of those long shots not going in yeah i can't remember what his expected goals figures were but I have a feeling that he maybe um, overperformed quite considerably just thinking of some of the goals that he did score were quite nice I think the, the Liverpool goal was fairly low percentage chance so I suspect he probably over um, performed his expected goals but probably came out fairly square with his expected assists which is why I've gone for assists but did anyone go for goals out of interest? Darren just went for Jack <laughs> Yeah that was because the question got changed at the last minute you fuckers <laughs> just i think it's pretty clear that jack will will be the winner jack, of this one either jack, way jack so you Rowan. are right yeah i am yeah, yeah. of course yeah. no one's going to go for goals presumably then i think he'll have a decent season again in terms of goal scoring i think it'd be broadly similar but i actually expect him to get a couple more assists um this year so yeah i've gone with assists yeah nice pascal strauch the patron saint of the all starts aren't we channel um Maybe a bit too young to be a patron saying, I don't know, but um, we've we had to throw him in here. Uh, a player who's had a very solid preseason, uh, indeed. The question we've got is what is going to come first, Pascal Strauch's international call up or his first goal? Um, I think he got did he get a couple of goals last season? He certainly got one. Um, Just maybe got one, yeah, he got maybe got one in a not in a cup competition, but maybe in a he got one in a preseason game against Pacos yeah. de Ferreira, right. Uh, and he got one in preseason this time around as well, if, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, not that I've memorised Pascal Strauch's stats. Um, everyone has gone for goal here, um, no doubt, because it's <laughs> fairly unlikely that that he's going to get his international call up. I think, given um, what we saw going into the Euros. Although, having said that, there are a number of um, there are a number of international breaks coming up. I think there's two or three. Um, certainly coming up in i think it's is it october november the the two international breaks so there's a possibility he might get called up for for one of those two especially um the way that he's been performing recently um who wants to wax lyrical about pascal darren i can see you've unmuted yourself so i'm going to assume that, uh, that, that you're ready you're primed to go 
No, I, th- I think he's. I think he's going to have an absolutely massive season. I think he's had a really good preseason. He looks. He looks incredibly sharp. I think he looks a bit more confident in terms of the possession stuff, which I think is really good. Um, the reason I've gone for goal is because I think he's going to thunder in a last-minute header at Old Trafford uh, for the winner, sending it, sending thousands and thousands and thousands of Leeds fans into raptures. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think he's I think he's going to have a great season, and there's every every chance that he could get an international call-up um, this this uh, this year. And I don't think he has declared for a country yet, has he? I don't think he has. I think the the assumption was that he was holding out for the Netherlands, um, mm. and the Netherlands are fairly stacked when it comes to centre backs at the moment. I, I'm pretty sure if he declared for Belgium, he would probably get straight into the team, mm. which would be a, a wonderful thing. But um, yeah, we wait and see uh, for that. Can I can I say regarding the patron saint um, Maria Goretti, uh, an Italian girl, uh, was canonised at the age of twelve, so uh, eleven, <laughs> in fact, eleven. Um, and she is the patron saint of um, crime victims, teenage girls, and modern youth. Don't so, get that on the square ball, um, do you? <laughs> <laughs> they have some religious baton that gets passed around, don't they? That's, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, other Leeds podcasts are available. Um, I, I thought you were going to pop up and say something about him declaring for Indonesia, Tom. Because I, I would you, love him to say. declare for Indonesia. I would absolutely <laughs> fucking love it. As I've said, you do have this fascination with the players who could represent smaller nations on the, on the world stage. <laughs> the biggest stage of all, in fact. So, um, Anyone else want to say anything about, about the boy Pask? I was just going to say, I think he, was, he missed quite a lot of big chances from set pieces last season. So I think there are, I think he just likely to get a few more goals next year more that's me point being an optimist but he's he was always to me i don't know if anyone agrees but he always seemed to be our biggest threat from set pieces um over the season i always felt like we, when he played we had a lot more chance to score he certainly absolutely rammed that goal against arsenal into the into the top corner from a from a uh, corner kick so hopefully we'll see more of that this season um the final, well, we've got a couple more questions on, on the squad side of things, but um, we have another centre-back question, um, and this time it's just focusing on the right centre-back uh, conundrum. So uh, question 15, who's going to get more appearances, Robin Koch or Diego Llorente at right centre-back? Um, who wants to kick off on this? I think this is maybe a little bit closer than maybe people would have thought, given that there was that injury to Llorente pre-season. So there's the possibility at least that that Koch might start there, might might prove to be difficult to um, upend from there. Um, yeah, Jacob, what's your take on this? Who do you think is going to get the, the more appearances? With what you were just saying, I imagine that that scenario could well happen. In fact, I think it probably will. Um, the reason, though, that I went for Urente is my previously mentioned sort of pessimism about the availability of Calvin and the feeling that it's most likely Robin Koch that will um, get pulled up to cover that position. I guess it's possible if Urente is already injured at the same time, then you could see Strout going up there. But um, but yeah, that that was sort of the thing that informed my logic. I, I think it's quite possible that they do make similar amounts of appearances throughout the season, like they did this season. But yeah, that, that was that was it for me for Urente. Darren, you've gone the other way. I think everyone else went for Urente. You've gone for Koch. What's your thinking yeah, behind this? Yeah, just uh, he's starting the season there in all likelihood because of Urente's injury. Um, and I think once Bielsa's team gets into a groove and he and he's, he feels like his eleven is settled, I think he kind of quite rarely changes it. I think. Jacob's point about Calvin is is a really fair one, and I think that is the kind of unknown factor in in my in in kind of my decision making around that really. But but um yeah, I think I think 
Cock will get a really good run there at the start of the season, all things being equal. Yeah, does anyone want to talk about uh, Robin Cock as, as uh, and the well? I guess the Robin Cock conundrum really that he was brought in as the starter at right centre back, and then obviously had that injury, and so we brought Urenti in quite late in the window, and now there's the question about who who has, um, I, I guess, is further up the hierarchy than the other. Um, does anyone have any thoughts on that in particular? It's a bit. It's an interesting one because I've I always felt, and I think we mentioned this on the podcast in the past, that Cock was an auto signing, whereas Llorente's a Bielsa signing. So I would guess, if I was to guess, I would say because Lorente ended the season there and he's probably, I think he's favoured by Bielsa, he probably would be the first choice. But yeah, I think what you guys have all said, I think with Cock um, starting the season there, I think he might get a run there and find it hard for Lorente. Well, Lorente might find it hard to come back in. I'm muted. Uh, yeah, and sorry, Zach, Zach Palmer there saying, any concern about the fact that Koch has mostly been playing midfield recently? Will he take some time to settle into that role again? Um, I, I think the preseason is really interesting from this perspective because um, obviously um, we've we've seen um, that the Koch was, was presumably being trialled out in that defensive midfield role and then Llorente has picked up that injury and so the, the, I, I think that sort of reshuffles everything and we, um, we, we, we're going to end up... I, I don't know, with questions to be asked at least um, about about how that everything fits together. Uh, I know a lot of the fan base are pretty keen on Urente, but my, my suspicion is that we'll slowly see Koch usurp Urente this season. Um, maybe maybe injury dependent, but I think that because Urente will pick up injuries and I think Koch will be a little bit more um, uh, consistent, it will just be, a, be just simply a question of, of, of who has the, the, the fewer injuries in that, in that regard. Anyone have anything else to add? add on this one i think the only thing i'd say is that um uh cock when he first came in i was quite underwhelmed with him on the ball like at the beginning of last season i think that's partially because we'd come from ben white who was obviously incredibly good on the ball so it seemed like a step down but what i'm half wondering is that is whether his appearances in midfield might have helped in that regard he certainly looked a little more comfortable passing to me in his appearances in midfield than he has in his appearances at the back and I wonder if that experience of seeing what it's like in the midfield will maybe help him uh, in terms of his distribution when he moves back again yeah we've certainly seen both of those uh, centre-backs both Koch and Pascal I think being way more progressive in a lot of respects even even someone like um cooper i think last season uh on the progressive side of things was was remarkably good um cooper's obviously a much more high volume uh progressive player um but i think when when i was looking at the um the transfer lab metrics where where they try and put values on on progressive passing um cooper was definitely up there um with with the rest of the of the center backs in terms of the the value that he adds to just through his long passing so uh, yeah i think i think part of the problem is is that um on this on this question i think we've got really four really really good center backs and i think that because urenta came in and we had that overperformance on uh, at the second half of the season there's this sort of assumption that, that that was mainly down to Llorente and I think that maybe clouds people's opinions on the other centre-backs I think the other centre-backs are all of a of a pretty similar pretty similar level obviously Cooper is is on the decline um, and I suppose the question is how long Llorente can can last as well this season um, given that we've we've seen him injured quite a bit um, in his time at Leeds so uh, for me I think this all just comes down to who's going to be fit, fittest for, for the longest but uh, I don't want to get us 
mired down in centre-back problems because I know people get annoyed when we talk about centre-back. So we'll, we'll move on to one final uh, question about squad players. I know we've got two final questions about squad players. First one is under-23 senior appearances. Um, so that's players, I think, players who are getting the majority of their appearances for the under-23s um, who then come on to make um, appearances for Leeds versus junior Furpo games missed to injury. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek, this one. Um, so, yeah, who wants to kick off on this one? 23s, 23s will have more appearances than than junior will will miss games to injuries, in my so view. Who do you think is going to be? Who's, who do you think are going to be those well, players who get those? Shackleton played more minutes for the 23s last season than he did for the first team. So on that on that basis, I'm that that's kind of he's going to take a big chunk of them. I think I think Greenwood will 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 get a few get get some minutes. Um, and I, I think there'll be an outlier, and I'm not quite sure who it is. But the, I think I think maybe maybe Gelhart will come through. Um, but I think principally it'll be between Shackleton and Greenwood. Um, and I suppose it depends on whether Melier ever gets injured. I hope not. Please God, no. Um, and whether we count, what, you know, it depends where Christopher Clarkson plays his football this season as well. Whether he plays minutes for the 23s, and I suspect that he might. So I think you might get a couple of games there as well because it's very quite rare that even a goalkeeper goes through a whole season without without an injury. It also Anyone seems just... like maybe Somerville has um, yeah yeah uh, leapt ahead of Paveda in the pecking order, and he seems more the kind of player that would get ten minutes at the end of a lot of games just uh, yeah. just because he's so direct and dribbly and and. Uh, He's a really good dribbler. I mean, Perveda is a decent dribbler, but in a very different way, a, a more kind of um, a less pacey way, I guess, and, and a less kind of a way that's less likely to cause chaos. So I could see uh, I could see Somerville being brought on as a kind of last gasp when we've sort of run out of ideas a little bit. Mm. Uh, and, and, and seeing as you've asked about appearances rather than minutes, something like that could also contribute quite a lot. And basically, I'm just hoping that Fippo is actually okay and not crocked. Mm. Yeah, I think the the indication is that this is just a knock rather than than anything more worrying. But he has had some bad injuries in the past, so I guess this is a question of whether or not he can stay fit for the whole season. And mm. yeah, if he if he does get another knee injury or whatever it's, it is he's had in the past, then obviously that makes it game over for for the under twenty threes appearances. I think, but um, I'm aware of the time, so let's let's just move on. Um, I'm going to skip the. No, will I skip that question? I'll skip the last question. We'll go with this one. So seventeen. Um, we we did a combined shirt numbers uh, question last time around, which is fun. So we've done another one. So the shirt numbers are Forshaw, Paveda, and Costa uh, add up to 28. So Forshaw is four, Paveda is seven, and Costa is 17. Um, last season, Paveda and Costa got 36 appearances between them. Obviously, Forshaw didn't get any. So the question this time around is, this season, do we think that that, that number will remain higher uh, than the, the the combined number of shirts? or the combined shirt total for, for those three players. So I, th- I guess the big question is here is, one, does Perveda go on loan? Two, does Adam Forshaw get a single appearance? And three, what happens with Costa? Um, who wants to kick off on this? Do their shirt numbers remain if they do leave? Do they still get uh, added into the well, total? That's a good question, actually. Yeah, maybe maybe they won't. If they go off on loan, then I suppose the squad shirt numbers will be reassigned, so they probably won't have a shirt number, which is a very good question. Um, I don't know. Yes, <laughs> they, they, they become zero if they aren't there, which seems fair, right? Yeah, well, well, yeah, in that case, I might change my answer. Um, I was going to go for shirt numbers, but I think... Um, oh, no, no, I don't know. Um Pervader's going to go and yeah. and uh, 
and Costa's going to leave. And so the question is, will, is, will, will Forshaw get more yeah. than four appearances? Go on, I'll change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon Forshaw is going to come off the bench exactly five times. <laughs> That's a very romantic answer. Uh, I'd like to leave. agree with that, actually. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think Forshaw can eke out five appearances next year, fingers crossed. But I think we said that for the last two years, haven't we? He'll get 10 minutes, he'll get 15 minutes, then he'll get a second half in a cup and get injured. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, nah. Anyone anyone else want to add to this? So, so in terms of Pervader, it seems as though Somerville has maybe usurped him in the pecking order, um, which I think on the basis of preseason is probably fair. Um, I've never been a particular believer in, in Pervader and I would be at least happy to, to experiment to see what Somerville can do in the senior game. Uh, and then the other question is with Costa, and I suppose that depends on whether or not we bring in another winger um, and, and what we do there. So anyone got any thoughts on either of those two things? I think it is likely that Pervader will go out um, on loan, and I think I think that's absolutely right and proper because if Somerville's moved ahead of him here, he, he's the sort of player that does need to be getting first team minutes to to develop. I think Costa may end up staying around uh, for the season. I've just got a little hunch that that, he, that he'll still be here and still be um, being criticised with reckless abandon by every Leeds fan on Twitter as soon as he comes on. But I think he, I think he will be around. Um, I, I don't think I don't expect him to have a huge impact on on the season. Um, so I think the the shirt numbers will win. Hmm. Right, we should move on uh, before we close out this episode. We should talk about the opening game of the season, which is happening on Saturday at a lunchtime kickoff, I believe. Which I know a lot of people feel a little bit nervous about. Uh, I think that's twelve thirty kickoff uh, at Old Trafford against Manchester United. So we're going to do a quick preview here. Um, what I should say before I start this is that we have moved our preview shows, the full preview shows, onto our Patreon. Um, I will be speaking to Maram Al-Bahana, um, who you may know as Maram Per90, um, who is a, a Manchester United uh, pundit, on, uh, often seen on Twitter. I'm interviewing her tomorrow, and the full audio of that will be on that show. So if you want to get the preview shows this season, you'll have to um, tune in and sign into the Patreon account. Um, but we will talk a little bit about it. Uh, things here, Manchester United, uh, already mentioned by maybe Tom Woodhead that they have, in the last few seasons anyway, had a slower start to the season. I think, uh, was it last season where they started up against Brighton maybe and they they, they nearly lost and came back late on? I, I can't remember if that was the first game of the season, but it was definitely near the beginning of the season. So um, I suppose the big question is, one, they brought in a, a lot of big players. Will those big players be ready? They brought in Raphael Varane. Um, they brought in Jaden Sancho. Will those big players be be fit and ready to go? Um, there's questions about where players like Pogba will be. Um, will he still be at the club, etc. Um, and there's the yeah the inevitable questions about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, can he get the most out of that team? Will they cause us the sorts of problems that they caused us when we played them at Old Trafford last time? Or will it be a case of, of a, maybe a, a slightly more solid and stodgy game that we saw at Elland Road? So um, who wants to kick off talking about Manchester United? Jacob, what's your thoughts on the Manchester United game this weekend? So there's been a lot of talk about them potentially changing sort of formation over over the summer. And instead of playing that four two three one, playing something maybe that's more like a... 4-1-4-1 or a 4-3-3 in order to get Bruno and Pogba or Bruno and Donny van der Beek are both in the midfield together. And the the Manchester United fans who I do follow seem to be quite pessimistic about that and don't think that whoever they have as the single deeper midfielder will be capable of doing the requisite defensive work to cover for those players. And so 
whereas I think that particularly in the 6-2, that there was a, a huge amount of value they accrued from those players striding from deep that McTominay and Fred, they won't be able to necessarily do that, do that um, if, if this sort of system changes. Um, so so that, that's a particular thing that I, I wanted to pick out. And then from the sounds of it, from what Solskjaer was saying, I'm not sure that Varane or Sancho will necessarily start. And so while they may have that firepower, it, it might not be something that we see an awful lot of. Yeah, um, I think those are those are very interesting points. What do what do people make of the difference between the four two three one and the four three three or four one four one as Leeds play against it? Is the is there one of those formations that we would prefer on the face of it? I think the thing with the four 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 well with the four three three is that it matches up directly with our formation that would play against it. So I think it does, it, it comes down even more to individual battles than it does when we're playing a four-two-three-one because the teams are already in attacking and defensive um, phases sort of set up in the same shape as each other. So there, there are a lot of individual duels that are going to be very important. Um, I think it's interesting, the, the thing about the Solskjaer, you, you know, like if, if Leeds had signed Sancho, he might not even be on the bench for this game, but you know that he's going to be on the bench for Man United because Solskjaer is a heavy believer in moments and the magic of Manchester United and those magical moments when players come on and do something on the wing and all that bollocks. So uh, that will be scary, I guess, if he comes on because um, he's a very, very good winger and I guess he plays from the right mostly, doesn't he? So it would probably be up against Stuart Dallas at left-back, who is very good in a lot of ways, but I'm not sure his one-on-one defending at full-back is necessarily the best. So that would be a little bit of a worry uh, if Sanchez does come. Yeah, and we've got um, this again from Zach Palmer. Um, he says that at home to Leeds is one of the only games Manchester United could play. Pogba in double pivot. Rodrigo man marking him as a scary proposition, especially if Bruno can pull Calvin out of position. Um I guess the the question is, are we expecting to see Calvin? I think um, there's been an interesting preseason from him insofar as it's seemed very much to me as though he had a big holiday um, after the Euros and uh, he hasn't really been up to speed since then. So um, are we expecting Calvin on, on the weekend or do we think it could be Robin Koch or is that going to be kiboshed by the fact that we're already short on centre centre backs, Darren? Yeah, I think I think Urente's injury is going to force force our hand there and mean that, that we do in in all likelihood see Calvin. I suppose if Shackleton hadn't picked up that injury, which is likely to put him out of the first game as well, we might have seen Luke Haley move to right centre back and and Shackleton play at right back. Um, but as it is, I suspect it, it will be Calvin that, that plays, and I just hope that he's uh, putting some hard yards in this week to try and get himself ready. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess it it sort of feels as though we're sort of caught between this idea that Manchester United could be there for the taking, given it's the beginning of the season, um, uh, but also worries that actually in terms of the beginning of the season for us, there's, there's there are a few worrying realities there in terms of just availability and, and maybe not being quite as sharp as we would have wanted to be in pre-season. Although I think the Villarreal game did show that... Um, against certain teams our press can can be functional um Manchester United though I suppose worryingly enough given the Ajax game um where Ajax I thought were quite smart in how they moved uh, our midfield around in particular and moved our defense around actually with their their forward players dropping quite deep did did prove that you can um move move leads around and and make their their press look a little bit um silly happened quite a bit actually in the in the old Trafford game versus Manchester United last season with I think particularly Bruno Fernandes pulling um Calvin Phillips around a lot at the beginning of that game and Calvin Phillips was actually hooked at the in the second half in that game um I think off the back of that um so 
I suppose the that compared to what happened with the 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 second game, which albeit was Manchester United um, just before a fairly important European um, Cup fixture, and so they 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 did rest a few players. They didn't play Cavani in that game. They didn't play Pogba. They brought them on quite late. It ended up being quite a stolid um, one, uh, nil-nil draw. Um, which one of those? Which which one of those are we expecting to see, Tom Alderson? Do you think that we'll see uh, a game where where United try and uh, Manchester United, I should say, try and pull? Um, teams around uh, Leeds around or um, is it going to be maybe a little bit more of a of a solid affair from Leeds with with Dallas maybe sitting a little bit more zonally in the midfield I think because I don't think Firpo is going to play I would I think it's going to be Dallas at left back in which case it's going to be Rodrigo and clicking centre mid which is a pretty scary um, prospect considering how it went last time that that went uh, we played like that at Old Trafford so I, I think because of that they might be um, Man United might be able to just move us around almost like with ease but the only thing I think we've got in our favour is I think we might see a team from Man United that is like similar to what they played in that second game um, and that's despite despite them like not playing as, as strong a team I think because we haven't got Dallas we probably won't have Dallas in that zone Phillips probably won't be up to speed it does worry me that they should they'll be able to move us around with ease and I think that they will like I, I'm not very optimistic about this game personally uh, because because of those reasons. I think the only thing I'd say is that um, this is that 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 six two was the ultimate game state Claxon game, wasn't it? Like we we conceded in the first minute and then the third minute was it? Oh, it was something really stupid like that. And once you're two 0 down that early on, it almost the only thing to do is go even more gung ho because certainly a team like Leeds aren't going to pull two goals back without committing loads and loads of bodies forward. I don't think so. Um, that game could have been, I'm not saying we would have won. I'm not saying we would have uh, even come particularly close to winning necessarily, but if, if we hadn't considered those two goals so early, I'd, I think it's doubtful that it, they would have scored six. I think all the indications from preseason are that Bielsa is trying to get the press working again. Uh, in a way that it didn't really work at the end of last season. So I think we'll see a full-blooded commitment to that as an approach at Old Trafford on Saturday. And as John likes to say, inshallah. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't said it this this episode yet, but yeah, very much a, a case for, for the for the phrase. Um, Absolutely. I think we'll leave... Yeah, yeah. I think we'll leave it there for for, for this because I don't want to don't want to go on too much with, with the negativities at the at the end. But if you do want to get the full preview episode, then it will be on our Patreon um, by by Wednesday or Thursday at, at the latest. So do check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash allstats, aren't we? If that interests you, um, I should say we've already mentioned that Tom Alderson has a piece coming out. I think later in the week on set pieces which will be good just looking back over the data from uh, last season which is which is quite insightful and it's quite hard to get hold of um, set piece data so uh, lots of interesting stuff in there uh, but other than that I think we should we should draw this to a close thank you very much for for listening staying with us guys uh, the guys who are still here um, and thank you to you four for for coming on and 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 chatting but I will uh, end this broadcast now and we will chat to you later in the week bye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.